All right, so welcome to Demon Road Diaries. You know who it is. It's us. It's the fucking Demon Road Diaries people. You listen to the show. It's like the 14th episode. Yeah, you know. You know the fuck we are. Are you that fucking asshole who finds a new podcast and starts at the newest episode when it's clearly like a chronological thing? Like, what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) Who the fuck do you think you are? Who gave you permission? I'm going to walk away. There's There's only 13 episodes before this. Why did you start now? Weird. The, the, unmitigated, the unmitigated gall. All right, guys, Most I of them are under an hour. While, so I'm a little tense. Do what? I haven't kicked anyone in the face in a while, so I'm a little tense. Oh, felt, felt, felt. All right, so just in case you are that one asshole. Hey, asshole. I'm Caden Green. And I'm your bastard son, Ronnie Rios. And I'm your necessary evil, Chelsea Durden. Now, for those of you um, who are watching this um, in audio format or listening to this in audio format, because, haha, psych, we don't do video podcasts, you would not know that we all threw up um, mad peace signs during our intro. I'm actually doing it again right now. Aggressive peace signs. Aggressive peace signs, because that's what we're doing. We're fighting for peace. Is that what you guys are doing? I mean, what? I thought we were doing the. the the uh, Mickey James spot from WrestleMania. I mean, we can do that too. It's you know whatever you want. Yeah, it's our show. Just, I hope you guys got that joke. <laughs> here. Wait, what? I what, said what? There's no rules here, brother. No rules. No rules, just right. Welcome to Outback, bitches. And this uh, this got out of hand quick. We just want to start over. <laughs> so steering it back. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, I guess we'll slide into the wrestle news. Uh, we were, we were recording during the majority of, um, NXT in yo house. Uh, fingers. but I mean, it looked like a fun show. They did the, um, the backlot brawl was a cinematic, which they also, they doubled down on the gimmicks because not lo- only was it a backlot brawl, a la gold dust and Roddy Piper. They did uh, a ring in like downtown Orlando with a ring of cars around it, mm-hmm. a la the Iron Circle match, Ken Shamrock versus Steve Blackman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was that made me happy because that's a gimmick I think needs to be done more. <laughs> this era of cinematic wrestling is just speaking to me there, on a cellular level. There's a really beautiful shot of like Velveteen Dream lying in a at the end of the match. He's just lying in a pit of chairs while undisputed era's theme music is playing and they're doing this slow pan out as he's laying there writhing in pain and i'm just like this is symbolic (laughs) (laughs) also dream came to the ring uh dressed up like negan from uh walking dead so if you're into that that was kind of cool yeah i got a monster truck so yeah, fucking goals. So technically that's three gimmicks, because we're also doing the fucking monster truck match from Halloween Havoc. Yeah. No <laughs> Could you imagine ever. if that's how they started the match, if Dream had like a purple monster truck and they like <laughs> ram into each other? Like, so they start off the match as an actual like monster truck show? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm into it. 
Yeah. We have we have um, Medusa officiating because uh, she owns a monster truck. True, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, if we're going for '90s WWF, you know, there you go. It tracks. It tracks. Um, speaking of uh, '90s WWF, that fucking set. That so fucking cool. set. Fucking Johnny it. Gargano with the spot of the night. Oh, adjusting the uh, adjusting, adjusting the thermostat. The fucking thermostat. You don't pay the bills in that building, Johnny. You can't touch the thermostat. Heel heat, heel heat, heel. Imagine Hunter in the back being like, "How fucking dare you?" Yeah, no. Blitz is like full dad mode now. Like he will get furious about that. I can imagine somewhere across across the country, a country uh, Johnny Gargano's actual father suddenly waking in a cold sweat. <laughs> Wait, someone, somewhere, <laughs> touching the thermostat. Ah, uh, fuck. But yeah, overall, good night. My 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 boo, my bay, my the moon of my life, Io Shirai, went over. Oh, she did. Uh, yeah, uh, she's paying attention to the podcast when that happened, and then it's it turned a, around. And it was like a Ric Flair documentary, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Who won the thing?" Eh. No, Io Shirai, the the no, best about the network, well, man. But my uh, NXT Bay Dakota Kai did not win. Mm. Her team lost. Um, I think it, it boiled down to. Uh, uh, Tegan Knox, who I, I obviously I'm in love with too, but um, uh, I yeah. think you're in love with most of the NXT roster at this oh point. Oh my god, all of them, yeah. yeah. Men, women, vegetable, Men, mineral. Hey, roster. Caden uh, is into it. <laughs> into it. Jake, Jake Atlas is a handsome man. I mean, he is good looking. He's a he? handsome man. I'm just gonna go sit outside of the performance center and just like sit on Tinder and be like, come on. Just one of you, just any of you. That's, any of honestly, you. that's creepy as shit, but that's a move. That's a fucking move. It's <laughs> <laughs> the plan. Any of you. I'm just op- it's gonna get opened up. It's gonna be I remember, I remember um, I'm gonna not name the female wrestler who texted me this p- screenshot, but I remember one time I knew somebody who got Braun Strowman's Tinder. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And like the first picture was the him. These him in, it was like him in like a, a hot spring. Those, like big hot tub. Yeah, hot spring. That's where he's like a big hot spring and he's just double flexing. And he's just like, I'm just a big country boy. Yes. I like steak and sex. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, fuck, that hurt. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. I fell out of my chair. I'm okay. So, I mean, you got to give the man points for being upfront and honest with you. <laughs> you and can't you say me. you didn't know his intentions. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not like he was trying to use his, like, WWE fame to get laid. He was just like, nah, I'm just a big fucking country boy. Come get it. <laughs> with these big fucking hands. You want, yeah, you your want. boyfriend can get these hands, but you know what you can get. <laughs> Speaking of uh, people using their catchphrases at inappropriate times, did you guys watch Jackson Riker torpedo his career? Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, going for a while. Um, speaking, speaking of speaking of speaking of boys down at the performance center, Jesus Christ, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> mm. 
And it's like people keep pulling up further and further back stuff too of him. Being oh, like, that's the thing. He said worse shit before, like yeah. telling black people to uh, you got. Did you? He literally posted a status like a year ago saying, like. Did Black people need to watch years 12 Years a Slave, realize how fucking good they got it. I'm like, holy wow. shit. Yes. Right there. talks like that? Jackson like, Riker oh, does. Fuck. Apparently, but like, shit. It's like, uh, it's like people, fucking white people, damn it. Yeah. I mean, I just kudos to Kevin Owens for fucking just... Absolutely destroyed him. <laughs> well, that's kind of what he does. And I'm happy he did it. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's got no friends in that locker room. That's uh who daddy. Who daddy. Yeah, what a time to just not be a actual sack of trash. Like For real though, bro. Like like you see what's going on in the world, and even if like look. I think it's dumb at this point to like try to argue any kind of quote unquote all lives matter or blue lives matter bullshit. But at the end of the day, read the fucking room. Read the room. You know, like what made you think that was gonna go over at like all? I'm I'm at glad all. that he not only are you racist, but idiot. you're an idiot on top mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> Save your racism for like, I don't know. August or something, or just never again. But like, okay. maybe not or... when the world is l- like almost completely united against racism. Is it like you're not like the the fucking martyr of of like white privilege or something? Like, mm, oh, C- CJ has jumped in. We are in the news. He's like, did somebody mention white privilege? <laughs> <laughs> He's. He's like, what happened? Oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> Welcome to the intro, CJ. <laughs> can, 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 can we keep this? Because this is actually fine. <laughs> yes. You hear that, buddy? Well, looks like I learned how to use technology. Fine. Yay! Okay. All right, well, thank you, CJ. It actually just, like, jumps you into the call. I thought it, like, cool. I was like, um, I know he said 10 minutes, but it already took me 10 minutes to figure this out. So I was like, I got Skype on my iPad, which I haven't used since 2015. And little did I realize that there'd be updates and yada, yada, yada. So I scrambled and got this on my phone. And I don't know, I I obviously pushed the right buttons because I figured it out. So Hell yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a good time then to throw to while we uh, while y'all listen to uh, our conversation with Ryan Loco, we're gonna interview nice uh, little preview of next week. We got C.J. O'Doyle, uh, the Lionheart, my Lionheart. Hang on, yeah, baby. Okay, let's go potty. I'll be let's uh, let's all let's all go potty and enjoy the interview with Ryan Loco. All right, and welcome to Demon Road Diaries here on the road to life, the road to something, I guess. Uh, we are back. It's episode 14. Um, probably do the names in the, in the news at the beginning. I so, bet you 
did. We, made, we, we did. Who knows? Future I'm going to wager that we did. Yeah. All right, cool. So you know who the fuck we are. So here's the question. Who's with us? Who do you think is with us? It's Macho Man Randy Savage. Wait, it's not. But it's close enough. You may have seen his photography. He's taking photos of, like, all the cool wrestlers, and then all the really cool wrestlers, and then some shitty assholes as well. Um, I'm not going to say we're those shitty assholes, but I think he once took a photo of me. We um, so. We are kind of shitty assholes sometimes. Anyway, uh, we have a photographer, not a wrestler today, Brian Loken. Hola. Hello. If it makes you feel any better, my dream when I was a little kid was to be an astronaut. And then after that, my dream was to be a wrestler. And then what I thought was, I am too small. I can never be a wrestler. Then I started going to wrestling shows as I got older and went, fuck, I'm not too small. Not <laughs> I should have been a wrestler. It's kind of, it's really funny because um, I think that gets talked about a lot now, just like how much... Uh, the size has changed in pro wrestling of like what is an acceptable size for a pro wrestler and and it, I remember telling myself when I was a kid because I was headstrong about being um, a wrestler and I told myself you know because I was like a I was like a fat kid but I wasn't like I, w- I guess I was kind of a big fat kid but like as I got older I realized like okay I'm kind of a normal person with a normal height but I had read that like Shawn Michaels was six feet tall and I was like okay as long as I'm as tall as Shawn Michaels, I can pull this off. And sure enough, I'm I'm almost exactly six feet tall. So I show up to wrestling school just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to be, you know, a Shawn Michaels type wrestler. And then after working on the indies for like five years, everyone's like, oh yeah, you're like a big man, right? Power moves, <laughs> like doing all the shit. And it's like, I've legit had wrestlers come up to me and tell me I'm too big to do certain moves. And I'm just like... I'm and literally I just throw that in their face. I'm like, I'm the same height as Shawn Michaels, so fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you know, growing up as a kid, you always saw like Hulk Hogan, you know, and they said like he he was like six 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 seven six nine three hundred mm-hmm. pounds, you know. So you're like, well, I'm never gonna be that tall, so there's just no chance. And then I was like, man, if I'm ever gonna wrestle, I'm gonna have to do like luchador type stuff because you know I'm, I'm not tall enough. I'm only six feet tall, so it's not gonna happen. And then I started going backstage and I'm like towering over people who are like hosses, you know? And I'm like, yeah. fuck, I blew it. I could yeah. have been making $40. <laughs> Not just $40, but a hot dog or two that's been sitting in the promoter's wife's back seat all afternoon. Yeah, but you know what, though? I, I do have to say, though, when I did shoot you guys at Fest Wrestling, I was ama- pleasantly surprised and amazed that they actually had a giant thing of drinks and they brought food because I had mm-hmm. never seen that before backstage at an indie show. Mm-hmm. That's just so, that's just such a special place because they like, they take care of us in a way where it's not like, uh, Hey, I got six pizzas from hungry. Howie's over there. If you guys are hungry and like bring your, uh, we've been to shows where people have literally been like, Oh, we don't supply water. Bring your own water. Right. It's like, Come on, man. You ask us to work for below our rate, and then we have to bring our own water? Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's got to be uh, – I can only imagine because, like, for me, I really enjoy creating. I love, like, taking photos, and, like, there's plenty of times where, like, people are like, oh, you know, I don't think I can afford you. And I'm like, at the same time, my want and need to create 
overtakes you know that like i'd rather just say you know what pay me what you can i want i imagine for you guys it's very similar where it's like you get in that feeling of like yo i really want to tell this story or you know it's been two weeks since i've been in the ring like yeah i'm gonna that may not be my rate but at the same time there's something inside of me that like i have to go do this oh yeah there's especially in times like now i see a lot of that with people i know because not only is it that um, a lot of people in our community rely on wrestling for the majority of their income, there's also people that just, you know, wrestling is such a part of their soul. And there's been, obviously, with what's going on with the pandemic, there's been a big lack of that. People are just so eager, like it's in their blood to get in the ring and do something. It's like, yeah, I'll drive from... Boca Raton to Kentucky for $30 because there's a ring there that you want me to get into. Yeah, let's do that. I think, yeah, and you always play, um, I think, I mean, me and Aaron have talked about this, like, you always, like, you weigh the pros and cons of something. So it's like, okay, maybe I'm not getting the amount of money I'm getting out of this, but am I getting something out of this that will help me make more money down the road? Like, am I going to get really good footage out of this? Am I going to get a really good opponent that I can put on my resume to be like, hey, I work this guy, or I work this girl, I work this person? Um, do you gonna are you gonna get an open door to be like, like we've done this before where we we open the door to a promotion and be like, all right, we'll work for this rate, come in, bust our ass, work really hard, get over with the crowd, sell our merch, and then it's like, okay. If we can do that, show our value, show our worth, then we can bring it up to a more respectable rate because now they know what they're getting. Sure. And, and you know, because so many promoters, it's like, you know, you send them a picture, you send them a video, you send them a whatever, but like, A, half of them don't even look at that shit. And B, you know, pictures and highlight reels, you know, it, that doesn't tell you the whole story of what you're getting. Um, so I like to think we've, we're, there's a lot of guys on the indies who are really good at getting booked because they look really good. They're real flashy. They got the flashy gear, the flashy moves. They got the the, the six pack abs. Um, so they work a lot of places, but they work a lot of places one time or two times. Right. I think Aaron and I have been good at. It's hard to get booked for us sometimes because not only are we um, a tag team, which is it's harder to get tag teams booked, but then we're a niche tag team on top of that. You know, a lot of a lot of companies look at us a certain way of, well, I don't, I don't really need, I don't need the Ascension right now, or I don't need, um, you know, I don't need, uh, the brood. Uh, yeah, I don't need the brood right now. So, you know, may, I'll call you in Halloween. Um, actually, you know, it's weird. We don't get booked a lot during Halloween. We get a book oh, no, a lot terrible. Christmas. <laughs> like, <laughs> our Christmas is always our high month. Um, but what we'll do is we'll show up and, you know, we try to have, be professional, show up on time, help with the ring, work hard you know do everything we can and a lot of companies appreciate that and they'll be like all right you know we're gonna bring you guys back and so we've been able to maintain relationships with like three or four companies and stay solvent in consistency as opposed to obviously we want to go out and work as many places as possible but you know it i there's a you know it's like you know i rather i rather go slow and like really build uh, relationships like was it like you go alone, you go fast. You go together, you you go far. You know, sure. so it's just like you know, I I just want to yeah, just want to be consistent and work hard in that way. 
Yeah, I actually like I I believe that in, in like photography and in jobs that I do, it's it's like there, I could easily charge X amount and you'll hire me one time and then maybe find someone cheaper and or I could take a cheaper amount and then get consistent work because you understand what you're getting and also I'm a relationship person. I like being the guy you depend on. I like knowing that you can call me and like, hey, we need you for this day. Hey, we need you for this day and like, you know, Chelsea knows from from dealing with me, uh, you know, like. Or Blackstone, they always call me, you know, because you know that pretty much I'll always be there, I'll always deliver and, and get them get what, what, what they need. And to me, like, that's the most important thing. Like, getting a one off paycheck is great, but having the relationship and having the, 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 the word of mouth that goes around is, is way more important to me. So, speaking of that, then, what, so kind of um, going back a bit, so what, what, Push. You said you wanted uh, to be an astronaut, and then you wanted to be a wrestler, and now you're a photographer. So, yeah, didn't, yeah. <laughs> FYI, I'm not an astronaut. Just letting you guys know. <laughs> just, about, man, like, space, that one didn't work out either. Hey, man, yeah. SpaceX just started up. You know, you know, if you got the coin, you can make it happen. Never know. Um, but uh, so, what what pushed you in that direction, and ultimately, I guess, in a broader sense, what pushed you in the direction of majority of your work being you know sports photography yeah you know i uh i actually didn't want to be a photographer i wanted to do documentary films because i love documentary films i want to be a documentary filmmaker maybe make like you know little 10 15 minute shorts i actually did one years and years and years ago in san diego for uh, socal pro it's a really small independent uh show out of oceanside california oh. and uh, yeah it's yeah, I think uh i used to train um out there when he lived out in southern california yeah, it's an awesome place, and they literally opened the doors to me and my buddy James and just let us do whatever we want. We could film whatever we want, take photos of whatever we wanted. And uh, so I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to make documentary films. And then uh, I was at a gym in Florida for MMA stuff, and I was like, oh, you know, I got nothing to film right now, so I'll just take a couple photos because I'm bored. And they were like, hey, you didn't happen to get photos of such and such today, did you? And I was like, actually, yes, I did. Like, oh, well, they want it for a Swedish website. So I was like, oh, my God. Send over my photos, and they're god-awful photos, but I was so excited that they went on a Swedish website, as anyone would be, because Sweden is huge. And uh, that kind of kick-started it. And then I started taking photos more and more on all my trips. And uh, eventually it was like 50-50 photo video, and now it's pretty much 99.9% photo. And... Uh, yeah, I, I I can't imagine doing anything else minus headlining WrestleMania. But otherwise, no, I can't imagine doing anything other than and then take photos. I I love it. It's been fantastic for me. It's allowed me to meet the most incredible people, which is something I love. It's allowed me to go behind the curtain, which is something as a kid growing up I never thought, you know, that I would be there. Like, I never thought I'd be at the WWE Performance Center, you know, seeing everybody and taking photos there. I never thought I'd be backstage. You know, in New York during WrestleMania weekend for all these shows, running around and like there's David Arquette in the hallway. You know, it like it doesn't. You know, and there's uh, 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 Tracy Smothers running around, and there's Diamond Dallas Page, and like Joey Ryan in a hallway full of dudes dressed up as penises. You know, it's just not something you'd expect, but it all worked out. That's awesome. It did all work out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a work in progress, you know. It's it's a constantly evolve, evolving thing. But I gotta say that uh, of everything I've done, and I'm not saying this because this is a wrestling show, the the wrestling community has been the most welcoming, and the most open, 
And it's something that I remember from the San Diego show was how everyone shook everyone's hand when they came in the room. And it's something that I still notice to this day. I notice when someone comes in and doesn't shake someone's hand and I'm like automatically kind of taken aback, like, whoa, wait a second. But I, I love the respect. I love the love. I love the passion of everything. And it's not something I take for granted. And it, it's just, to me, it's the most beautiful art form. It's the perfect sport. It's my favorite thing in the world to photograph, no lie, because you guys do exactly what I hope that MMA fighters would do, but you do it on purpose and you do it towards me. So it's like the perfect dream. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're trained from, from the beginning, you know, uh, find the camera, you know, find your, find your shot because this, you know, your, your face and what you're doing with your body, those big ridiculous movements is all for, you know, that money shot, which mm -hmm. is, you know, always find the camera, find the camera, whether it's the still camera, because it might be a, uh, a non-televised or non-broadcasted show or what have you. It is, it is kind of funny though, um, because I've noticed most of all in wrestling um, that promoters and different companies have a lot of trouble with paying their photographers. And by trouble, I mean they can't possibly fathom why they would need to pay <laughs> their photographers. But so they're like, oh, the promoter's nephew has like a Sony Cybershot from 2007. That'll probably work fine. But then you compare um, those promoter nephew level pictures to pictures like yours from Fest, and the quality difference is immeasurable it's even even if a show that you were to shoot was you know in a barn in the midwest after a tornado hit and this other show was in you know oh, uh, yeah like like packed gym or something like that the uh the difference in quality and the product that it presents to the world is is so so important it's just something I find very interesting. Yeah, indie indie shows hate lighting for some reason. They don't like lights, <laughs> so that that always uh, that always makes it difficult. But at the same time, you know, it's it's such an intimate uh, venue usually when it's an indie show, and it's also very like kind of fun to work around because I remember shooting a show in in here in Florida. I can't remember the promotion, but the Headbangers were wrestling. And I was, you know, backstage and I was like talking shit with uh, uh, Stevie Richards about cameras because he's a huge photo dork. And then, you know, we go out there to shoot these matches and it's like I'm trying my hardest to make it look amazing. While at the same time, there is the middle school's logo with a basketball hoop, you know, and it's like I want to give the best, you know, representation of what it is. And at the same time, we're sort of like st stuck with whatever the the venue is given to us, you know? And, and so that makes it a challenge because like you have this amazing shot of, of, uh, Mosh just completely gushing, gushing. And there is like Deerfield wildcats, you know, right in the mind. It. So it kind of like, it's a weird vibe. But don't you think that's makes it something beautiful? I mean, for me, I think it's awesome. Like at the, yeah. like, I think, cause I will always remember that feeling. I'll always remember walking into that gym and I'll always remember like just seeing, like bleeding like a stuffed pig. Like, I yeah. mean, that was a lot of blood. And just to, you know, have it juxtaposed against like a middle school <laughs> yeah. mascot. 
that's like that like that's some brain buster shit right there do you know brain buster i adore brain buster we met backstage in new york and i was like the thing is too like i don't know how it is with with pro wrestlers but when photographers especially at a small wrestling show see each other usually it's like okay who the hell is this person stealing my shot who the hell do you think you are i know the promoter why the hell are you here uh, and but brain buster was the complete opposite he was so kind and so welcoming and then i saw he had a film camera so we started talking about film and i just dug everything he's, he's done and i i love it i love someone that's so passionate about something that i'm so passionate about because i could do this for hours talk about pro wrestling because i'm a huge dork and i find myself when i'm out and about like having to like restrain myself because like you know when someone's like sitting there and they're like yeah, you know, the, the real Ultimate Warrior died in 1992, and there's been four other Ultimate Warriors, and I have to sit on my hands and just go, okay, no, you're okay, yeah, yeah, I think I heard that rumor too, okay, I'll sit when I want to just completely educate this person and then realize they'll think I'm the hugest dork on the planet. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> I don't want to be in a Starbucks there discussing Jim Helwig's whole life, but, I mean, I'll do it if I have to. That's what it's about. But we should be discussing it because this is a man who said queering doesn't make the world work, and we shouldn't forget that. At the University of Connecticut, which is my favorite college basketball team, and I was so upset that he was there doing that. Yeah. That's why I think it's so funny Like that like when Hogan got blacklisted, they tried to turn Warrior into like the the suit, like the, uh, what's the word, like the interim Hogan or like the, the new de facto Hulk Hogan character where it's like he's oh, like the he, he was like the biggest star of their of their entire history at least of that era and it's like you know you're trying to erase Hogan because of things you caught him on tape saying that were horrific but there's countless tapes of Warrior saying shit that's like I'm not saying it's worse but it's comparable <laughs> there's a lot it's of horrible. questionable stuff caught yeah. on tape yeah and it's just Good. Warrior Warrior said has always said shit that it's like it didn't it didn't matter if it was a promo or him like getting coffee. It was, everything that came out of his mouth made absolutely no sense and everyone was like, That was so fucking I, deep. Honestly, you need know, the worst thing I think he ever said. I mean, it's debatable what the worst thing he ever said was, but at least the worst thing he ever said, at least for me on tape, was he was supposed to do in, in so um uh Drozdov. Uh, Darren Drozdov, who got paralyzed, uh, he actually got work with WWE for a long time. He wrote for the website. Um, so that's what he was. He did that for like 10, 15 years, like writing articles for the website. And uh, I think it was like in 2000, uh, he was supposed to do an interview with the Ultimate Warrior. And he, um, I don't know why, I don't know what could have triggered this, but Warrior refused to do the interview with him because he says, I'm not talking to a cripple. Oh, what? <laughs> Whoa. What? Whoa. Who has yeah. people who are crippled? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I, I'm sure there's a story, but that's the gist of it. Is it possible on the podcast itself to insert the gif of Michael Scott softly wondering, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Don't. But I'm not here to ruin everyone's childhood, and uh, I certainly <laughs> want. I certainly want to get into a little bit of yours, Ryan, because I can tell already you're very passionate about pro wrestling. You said you wanted to be a pro wrestler, so kind of. Yes, so, 
before we go more into more of the photo stuff, because I definitely want to hear about you working for WWE at the Performance Center and more wrestling stories. What um, what made you fall in love with pro wrestling? Like, what was your who were your guys or girls? Who were who were your people? Who were, what was your show? What, and what was your era that really like brought you into pro wrestling? And what is it about pro wrestling that you so specifically love as a fan, as a photographer, as just a human being? Yeah, so I mean, we grew up really poor, so the idea of ever ordering a pay per view was just never going to happen. Like, well, I mean, you didn't have the box. Like, you literally had to go to the cable station the and pick up a box to rent it for that Saturday or su- Sunday, I mean. So that just wasn't happening in my household. So it was all pretty much about, like, WWF superstars that would sh- play in the morning. And uh, Hulk Hogan was, of course, my guy, 100%. I was growing up, little kid, it was always Hulkster, always. And then uh, Warrior came along. And it sort of like kind of made me question everything I thought about Hulk Hogan because then I was like, oh, no, maybe I really like Ultimate Warrior instead. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as this moved on, I remember seeing uh, Cactus Jack. And and th- yeah. And so I, I want to say maybe somehow I randomly saw an NWA tape. I don't remember how I how I saw it, but I just remember going, oh, wait a minute. I think this this is real wrestling like they're wrestling for real. You know what I mean? Because there's no way. They would allow someone who looks like Cactus Jack to wrestle unless it was real and he was really fighting. And so then my whole brain flipped out. So fast forward to one night, I think I was maybe 15, 16, can't remember. And it's like two in the morning and I can't sleep. And I, it's the Prime Network. This was the channel. It was on LA before Fox Sports. And there's a Extreme Championship Wrestling was on at like from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. And I clicked it. And my brain exploded because then i went no wait this is real wrestling they're really they're really hitting themselves with chairs and that's when my tape trading started because then i would go on the internet and i was trying to find tapes because i'm a tape trader i need well i didn't Uh. trade any tapes of my own but i needed to go so this was like how dumb it was you would take twenty dollars and you would write the two tapes you wanted mail it to someone on the internet hoping that they would send it back there was no change like it's not like it is now. Like it was like an Angel Fire website, you know, or GeoCity. Yeah, no, there's no PayPal to back yeah. you up. Oh, and no. they would have just have a list. So like, if I had twenty dollars to burn, which at the time was an insane amount of money, yeah, it was sure. like, what am I gonna get? Like, I didn't want to get all the WWF tapes because I could rent those from Block. I want every Mike Awesome Masato Tanaka yes. match. <laughs> so, I remember one of the first ones I got was Born to Be Wired, so I had to because I just had, was a Sabu fanatic, right? And I had to see that. And, uh, and then I got this thing called Torgo tape. I don't know if the guy's name was Torgo or what, but he would make these compilation tapes. So then I got that one. And I remember seeing Liger versus Muda where Liger loses his mask. And I just went absolutely bananas. Like, oh, my God, this is the greatest match I've ever seen in my entire life. Which then led to me going, I need to start watching more Japanese wrestling. And then I was like, oh, my God, Cactus Jack was wrestling death matches in FMW. Oh, my God. Let me check this out. So there he is with Onita and Wing Kanamura. And I'm just going ballistic watching all this stuff, you know? And then I'm watching. I, now I'm like, yeah, now I got to now I gotta watch 6394, right? It's Masawa Kawada. And all of a sudden, I become the j- biggest Masawa fan. Like, I have a Masawa t-shirt, you know? And I wear it proudly to the grocery store because I'm a huge, huge dork, right? So... <laughs> This is what led to my just wanting to just 
become completely immersed in it because then I realized there's all these different levels to pro wrestling. There's all these different ways and you can watch a death match and people on the outside are probably like, this is garbage. And I watch it and I'm like, no, wait, they're actually trying to tell a story. Like the timer's counting down. It's a exploding ring death match. You don't understand. He just won and there's 17 seconds left. He should leave the ring. No, wait, he's going back so that he can jump on top of the guy that lost because he needs to protect him from the exploding ring. This is beautiful. So there you go. That's my life. Sorry. Okay. That was so, incredible. So, uh, you know, Chelsea was talking about gifts. I feel like I need to slide in the gift now of uh, Will Ferrell and um, uh, John C. Riley. John C. O'Reilly. Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> like, you just, like, my track wasn't exactly like that, but it's very similar. Like, all, all those guys, like Cactus Jack, ECW. I've been. I've been so deep on a pro wrestling Noah hole over the last yep. two months. Like, holy shit. Like, I'm like, like, I've been, I've downloaded every call I can find to start my own little Noah league right now. I've got Morishima going on a tear beaten. I, and this is how fanciful I'm getting with my, my, my board quarantine booking is. So I've had Morishima beat everybody. He's beaten Masawa. He's beaten Kobasha. He beat Tawe. He beat, uh, Akiyama, he, like, he's just tearing through everybody, and they're like, they brought Invader, he can't fucking do it, and it's just like, who can get the belt off of Morishima? And Masawa, who's so <laughs> desperate to get that belt off that bastard, brings in the one man he trusts to do it, the one man you never thought would cross the line. It's fucking Goldberg. It's fucking uh, Kawada. <laughs> and I'm having Kawada take the belt off Morishima. <laughs> Dude, now that now that you brought up Vader, that reminds me. I think that was the first time I ever got legitimately scared as a kid was when oh. he had the full-on mask. Oh, and then the he mask put it down. Off? Yeah, and it would actually spray. I think that was the first time where, like, because he didn't look like anyone I'd seen before, and he had that crazy mask that he wore. And that was one of the first times as a kid where I was legitimately like, oh, my God, this dude's a killer, you know? And, like, watching really yeah, and watching old WCW, like, I was like, oh, Sting's awesome. And then you realize Sting's a loser. Like, he could just never, like, and I don't mean that, I sort of mean that in a bad way. Like, he could just never get the job done. And even when he got the job done, it wasn't good enough. And they'd take the belt yeah. off super quick anyway. And so yeah. I just remember, like, being a little kid, like, rooting for Sting against Vader. And it just wasn't going to happen, you know? Just now, not a chance. But St uh, Flair versus Vader, that's a fucking classic. You ever oh, seen yeah. That? Flair um, versus Vader. You have the Sting versus Vader strap match, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, there's. I went on a big kick where I was like just watching old WCW on the network, and like uh, just fell in love with like the '90 to '92 WCW, and like watching War Games '92, which is the best War Games of all time, in my opinion. And you realize like Rick Rude wrestled with like he Rick Rude entered the ring with more intensity than some of the wrestlers I watched for the like nowadays wrestling the entire match. Like, like oh, yeah. I. Yeah, I just I like as I'm not a pro wrestler and I would never try to like talk to other pro wrestlers and tell them what to do. But anytime I'm like chatting with them, I'm like, go watch old Rick Rude and just rip him off because he's insane. Yeah. Um, fucking just one last nerdy tidbit. You mentioned Cactus Jack and like that's someone like I'm the biggest Foley mark. And um, I will always remember when uh Cactus somehow, he's the only character I've known to ever do this. He gets he got two debuts in the same company, and both of them were beautiful. 
because in 97 they bring him in as like this or no maybe it's 98 towards the end of towards the end of 97 early 98 they bring him in to end the feud with Triple H when he's still in the Hunter's Hemsley gimmick and it's like they literally do like the three so he's been mankind he's been dude love so this is the last face of Foley and they do the whole like mankind's out there dude loves on the mankind and dude love are talking to each other on the Titan Tron and it's like and they're like we gotta we gotta bring out an old gun for this one <laughs> it's he's crazy as some bitch we know it's jacked as jack and he comes out he's like bang bang and he's just so excited and jr does an in joke on commentary that actually becomes something mythical in my opinion which is uh legitimately when foley got hired to the company jr knew him as cactus because he was cactus in wcw and so when he sees Foley showing up for work one day or like showing up for some preliminary contract signings, he looks at him and he goes, Cactus, I thought you were dead. Because <laughs> like, they knew he was doing the fucking FMW shit. And uh, so when Cactus comes out to the ring to face Triple H, he says that like, I thought Cactus Jack was dead. <laughs> and it adds immediate so much mythos to that character. Like mm-hmm. how fucked up is this guy? That they yep. thought he was fucking dead. And um, and then, so you fast forward two years later to when Triple H is now the game. And he's got the belt. And Mankind can't beat him, can't get the belt off him. He's battered, he's bruised, he's, he's so fucked up. And he's just like, you know, Hunter, I, uh, I, don't, I don't think Mankind's got enough juice left. I can't, I can't do a street, street brawl at Royal Rumble, but you know what? I know one son of a bitch who's crazy enough to do it. And he rips his shirt off and he's Cactus Jack again. And Triple H has a face that shows why he was a main character. He looks, he's seen a fucking ghost. And it's like, it's mythical again, because Triple H then sees the one part of Foley he could never beat. The one part of Foley that was more violent, more sadistic, more indestructible and he knows deep down his soul i don't know if i can do that i don't know if i have that in me and then that's what's so beautiful about the match they have then is that triple h beats him but it took everything he had it took more than what he had to put cactus down and it's like that's the kind of shit i want to see in wrestling that's the kind of shit i want to do in wrestling is have a character that elicits that kind of emotional response and can do it multiple times, you know, just this mythic. I want mythos in pro wrestling. I love mythos. Of course. I mean, is there anyone that probably lost more that never had a loss hurt them than Mick Foley? Like he was the king of making everyone look amazing and then losing. I would, I would argue flair. Okay. Flair lost all the time and he was still nature boy. That's <laughs> fair, but I would say I would say Foley did it in a very different way. Oh, two different things. Yeah, two different things. Hundred percent. But yeah, no, it's just yeah. There's something about. I mean, I was able to meet Mick uh, at a at a fight we did, and uh, talk to him a little bit, and like it took everything in me, you know, like I don't care. George Clooney could walk in, and I'm like, whatever. Brad Pitt could walk in, whatever. Who cares? 
And then for some reason, Mick Foley came in the building and he's wearing like a vest that he got from the Australian zoo. And he's wearing like a Santa t-shirt. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Okay. Don't say anything stupid. Don't get it. Just, just shake the man's hand and say hello. And really you want to sit there and talk to him for like five hours about how important he's been to you uh, growing up and like everything you've seen. And like, it's, it's crazy. Like how influential, uh, pro wrestlers can be because really it's something that like I don't know if there's anything else that I've taken from my entire life like when I remember being five and six years old and still I'm almost 40 and I still enjoy it like I don't know if there's anything else you know besides eating that I uh, have carried with my whole life I mean uh, I've been following your bread baking adventures since day one and I would say that's been pretty influential but I would I would put wrestling above that yeah, I think it goes eating food, drinking water, pro wrestling as the three keys to living a good life. Okay. Mm. Sound. Uh, so speaking of good lives, we do have a segment on the show, which might is a little different this week because we have technically a you know, non, very passionate, but a non-wrestler on the show. So we always have our segment, Wrestle Crush Wednesday, where we talk about wrestlers we want to get in the ring with. Uh... But I, for anyone who doesn't follow you on Instagram or any of your social media channels, you know, you obviously take a lot of pictures of pro wrestlers, not just in the ring, but doing portrait shoots and all kinds of uh, very interesting work. So I am curious because um, you've gotten to work with some pretty big names. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a couple of them right now. I hope they're not too heavy. Uh, people like Becky Lynch and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, so I'm curious. uh any wrestlers alive or no longer with us that you would love to do a photo shoot with? Um, so my wife would want me to say the rock so that she could be the oil girl for the set <laughs> uh, set that day. Um, my uh, old school head would say bruiser Brody, just because I think bruiser Brody's insane. And he's the only person that can have the best promo ever by just saying Abdullah the Butcher's name for a minute and a half, and yet it's still incredible. Um, but current day, man, there's so, like I feel like uh, I don't know. Like the thing is, nowadays there's so many talented wrestlers out there that are just they have their own unique style that I think is so cool. And I would love to maybe have like a full session with like someone like Darby Allen, who truly like understands the whole idea of like having that gimmick and like carrying it with him wherever he goes. And like the half face paint's amazing. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think someone like if you, if you gave me like a good hour with Darby Allen, I think would be epic. Or Bruiser Brody. If you guys know Bruiser Brody by any chance, like if you can make that happen. Um, I know a guy who knows three other guys who might know a guy. So I'll get back to you on that one. I try to show uh, I try to show people and I'm like talking about Bruiser Brody and they don't get it and then I, the clip is like they introduce him and he's, he's mad at Abdullah and they go you know do you have anything to say to Abdullah and he just comes out and literally just goes butcher butcher come butcher and he does that for about a minute and a half and I'm sitting there going this is incredible and every other person looks at me like I am the biggest psycho they've ever talked to in their life because they're like this is dumb. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. There's so much emotion in saying butcher. <laughs> like, they don't fucking get it. They don't get it. Like, no, you don't understand. The man is a psychopath. Like, he wants to, he wants to kill this man in Puerto Rico in front of, like, 
800 people with a fork. You don't get it. That's art. No, yeah, no. Bruce and Brody is fucking art. You guys um, get the art, right? You understand? No, I know. I no, I love Bruce and Brody so much. Um, I I thousand percent feel you on that one. Um, and I would love to see like how old would Bruce and Brody be now? He'd be pretty old by now. Oh, he'd right? be up there, hundred percent. Like, he would probably be. Oh man, when when was he killed? Eighty four, I think. Wow. Yeah, he would. He'd be like seventy. Seven. I think he'd be in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But just how cool would it be if, like, if he had if he had made it through, do like an like an old old murder. (laughs) If he could have just made it through the murder. (laughs) He just just made it through the murder. That little. That's the that's the title of the episode. episode. (laughs) Made it through through the murder. (laughs) I did. uh, I did shoot uh, 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 an NWA show, and I did get to shoot like uh, Rock and Roll Express. Uh, for portraits backstage, and I got to shoot uh, like uh, Magnum TA, which I thought was okay. So, and it's just it's a trippy thing to see because like he's got a giant brace on his leg, and he has to actually use a Segway to get around, and like to see like you know when he's younger to now what he's what he looks like now, you know he's you know full of life and and he's an awesome guy. But it's just crazy to think like you know it, sometimes you don't want to necessarily see like wrestlers as they get older because it's a brutal thing you guys put yourselves through you know like i have i wince waking up every morning and i have never done any physical labor in my entire life Mm -hmm. i mean i think a lot of it is just everyone's bodies are different and also like i do think there's been enough like a lot of those guys from the old days, they, I, you know, not that they didn't know how to train, because obviously they knew how to train, especially like a guy like Magnum TA, who was clearly in great shape. Uh, and what happened to him was different, like, you know, such a horrific car accident he should not have even survived from. Um, but I don't know. I like to think that, like, I look at people like Stevie Richards um, or like DDP, um, who kind of like show that, like, yeah, like you have to take care of yourself and you have to figure out, um, you have to push yourself to uh, be active and be physical and, 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 and take, you know, take the things you need to take and, 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 you know, be mindful. But also it's just like, yeah, no, it just gives me hope that as long as I'm not too stupid, like, you know, there's you, you risk assessment, you know, um, in the same way that you assess, like what is economically worth my time, you have to then assess what is physically worth my time. Sure. Um, you know, there there have been plenty of spots and things I've said flat out no to. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't think I can do it safely. And uh, you have to part of being a good wrestler is knowing your limits and knowing. Has, has there been any time where you've like in the back said, you know, it'd be cool. We're, we'll do this spot like on the corner and whatever. And then you're all gung ho about it. And then about 30 seconds before the spot's actually going to happen. Like, is there any, like, moments of, like, doubt or anything or where you're like, whoa, why the fuck did I say yes to this? Like, this was a bad idea. I've, I've, ha- I've had that. Um, I, can, I can definitely say I've had that. I try to, like, I try to be real with myself when calling matches and going over things. It's like, okay, realistically, can I survive this with any type of quality of life afterwards? Um, and I'm certainly not going to, you know, put 
my entire brain at risk or something. But there have been times where I've called like, oh my God, that spot sounds amazing. And then we're like going into the thing, ducking the line. I'm in the corner. I'm going up for the Jesus Christ. Why? Mm -hmm. Uh, I try to avoid that so I can, uh, you know, as, as Rios had said, uh, as long as we're not too stupid and generally take care of ourselves over the years, we should be all right. But then I have days like um, the other day I was uh, walking into uh, walking into Gangrel School and I kind of like eh, with my back and he's like, Durden, what's the matter with you? I was like, eh. he's like, you grizzled. I was like, I'm grizzled, brother. I'm grizzled. He's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I really should ask Aaron should answer this question because he's he yeah. does more <laughs> shit than I do. <laughs> It's literally like we'll be calling something in the back, and I'll be like, "Hey, uh, what do you think about um, maybe I'll do this, this, and this?" And Rios will have to look me dead in the eyes and be like, "Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> let's put the things in. The, let's put a couple things into uh, perspective here for you. You're almost forty. You have a kid, and you work a full time job. Do you think that's going to work out well?" And then me thinking, "I'm in my twenties." Single and wrestling is my only job. And I go, no, that's a great idea. And then I like cough and drop into nobody while I yell, this is a bad idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I always like trip out because I, I can only relate it to like, you know, when I was younger, I loved skateboarding. And like, you know, you're going around, you don't even think you're ever going to hurt yourself. And if you do, no. you're young, so who cares? And then all of a sudden something happens where, I'm sure there's some people that were able to turn it off, but you get to that age where you're like, yo, this could actually hurt. And then I could hurt my ankle. And then when I go to the grocery store, that's going to suck. And then I have to carry my dog food up the stairs and that's going to suck too. So like things you would never think about at 15, 16, 18, yeah. 20, 21. And like, I'm actually envious of the people who are able to flip that switch off in their brain. Cause like, I, you know, if we could see Darby Allen at 40 doing coffin drops onto the bare apron, uh, I, I I worry for I worry for his spinal cord sometimes. Yeah, he's fine. He's got healthcare. He'll, he'll <laughs> <laughs> um, not to not sound flippant, like I don't want to see the so the boy hurt, but you know he's he's fine. Uh, oh, but also, happy birthday to his wife. Her birthday was yesterday. Oh yeah, I don't know that being like a Patreon exclusive or one of those things. It was on the internet. Like, <laughs> it so, was just something that was stalking, I swear. Um, so, uh, Ryan, um, just briefly wanted to touch on a couple things. Um, so, as a photographer, what would you say is like, you know, be it professionally, artistically, however you want to phrase it, you know, what, what would you say is like, your biggest accomplishment or like something you're most proud of in terms of the work you put out? Uh, I would say, uh, I mean, shooting the, the Mayweather McGregor boxing match was oh like, God, yeah. it was a crazy feeling, crazy experience, not something that I ever thought would happen. And it happened in a blink of an eye. It was so fast. And so that's definitely up there. And then also as, as lame as it sounds, because I was a dork growing up, like, being able to shoot for the WWE and actually get a check in the mail 
that had the WWE logo on it. And I was just like, oh, my God, if I could go back and tell six-year-old me, you know, one day you will actually, you know, be on their books. You know, yeah. someone actually had to sign that check. Uh, that tripped me out. Like, that, that was, like, a big deal because, you know, being a, a wrestling dork and also, like, <coughs> you know, being in, the, in the, the performance center and, like, just being there and standing around all these people. And, you know, there's William Regal and, and you know, there's uh, Billy Gunn and, like, there's uh, Briscoe and everybody, you know, and just standing there. And, like, I remember the, f- the first time I went there, I, I knocked on the door. It was a Sunday and they uh, obviously there's nothing there at the building. It's just a plain building. And uh, out pops uh, uh, Hugh Morris. And he goes, what do you want? Thinking that I'm like the fan that's stalking because I want to get photos or autographs or whatever. I'm like, I'm here to photograph the, the wrestlers. Hi. And he's like, oh, come on in, man. And, you know, and he went from like the scariest person in the world to this giant teddy bear. That, uh, that's that'd be quite an experience. I wanted to um, touch on your um, experience at the Performance Center because we actually um, spoke at length about it the first time we met and you were showing me uh, some of the shots that you had taken there a few years ago. Um, what What is it like to, you know, you're in the Performance Center with these tra- with these people that are trying out and this is, you know, with a few exceptions, the most important couple of days so far in these people's lives. They're here, you know, battling out against, you know, God knows how many other applicants from other tryouts to get uh, a spot in WWE that, that many of them have worked their entire lives for, their entire adult lives, you know, preparing for it as children. Didn't How did that, you know, affect their ability to, you know, be photographed like portrait style? Because I know you did the portraits and you did, um, and you just shot throughout other things. Um, so what, what was that experience like? Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say that the... The most important thing, and like I tell people if they ever have a tryout coming up or they're thinking about it, like the most important thing is to have a ton of energy and to actually like I was surprised at how many times we would do portrait shots and I would be like, Okay, so give me like a pose and they'd look at me and go, I don't have any poses. Like, okay, well like I'm like, All right, well give me like some emotion. Like, okay, like how should I what should I do? And I'm like, Look, dude, I'm not trying to like be a dick or anything, but I'm like, This is your moment right now to show them what you have and if you can't give me a pose and like i'd like whisper to him like look i have fucking like homie i need you to do give give me something like i should not be instructing you how to pose they're watching they're looking at these photos and they want to see some energy they want to know that they have something that they can work with mm-hmm. so that to me i was the most surprised because i figured that everyone would be in there living their gimmick and full out to the nines and they just wanted to stand there and i was like yo so, so like yeah, so my advice to everyone was always like be ready to show off your your emotion and your gimmick and two, be ready to run ropes for 3 days. <laughs> so have your conditioning up because they will literally just run you to death. And it's really just to see that you want to be there and you want to keep going and that you're ready for more. And I mean they're they're all taking note. And so it's just like with anything, like if you're the freshman trying out for the football team, you're going to have all the seniors standing there telling you to run sprints. You know, and they're like, that's just how it is. It, it's almost like a initiation, basically. And so when you get sitting there and William Regal's asking you to do, you know, you're tired, go run the ropes again. You're not going to tell William Regal no. 
You know, the guy's seen everything. He's been all over the world, wrestled everyone on the planet, you know. And I was just really shocked at the people that, like, didn't come in ready to be in shape. Like, obviously, you don't have to be ripped and have a six-pack. But at the same time, you need to be able to run the ropes for a little bit, you know. I think they bring in um, a lot of, like, athletes that aren't wrestlers for that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. That ten- like, I-, I would assume those people are probably the ones who are like, Oh, I don't know, man. I just do CrossFit. What am I supposed to do? But a lot of those people have so much natural personality. Yeah. Like, as opposed to like, sometimes, yeah, they'll bring in these wrestlers and it's like, how long have you been wrestling? Five years. Cool. Mind posing. Uh, like, let me see a couple of your poses. And those are the ones who are like, my what? Right. My, my who? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like, <laughs> I, I mean you could you knew you knew right away who was there that had wrestled for a long time versus who was there because they looked really good and the wwe just wanted to see how they could do it so i yeah. wasn't really expecting much from them so i'd help them but the guys who came in full gear half their face painted you know had all their yeah. things up oh, so like, clearly they had, they had a gimmick like they had oh yeah and there there were there were certain people I'm like, yo, I saw you wrestle here. I saw you, I know you. I saw you wrestle here. I saw you wrestle. And they still didn't like have it down was what I was the most surprised about because I figured it was something that you just lived and breathed and like you're in the mirror, like working on these like yeah. all the time. Yeah. I know that's like literally a personal thing that I do. I have like a, a mirror in my house that's in front of my son's room, like in front of his door, that's like full body. And if I know we're going to like fest or something, I'll kind of practice or I'll like, sit my phone on a bar stool and like set timer off and I'll practice poses and how I feel like my character would be delivered just to like kind of make sure that there's a good chance something good's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause we'll have people at Tampa pro there's a dude river horse who's um, who comes out and does those there. And he really like kind of understands our characters and our gimmicks. So it's not hard for us to like deliver with him, but like right. some, some like students it's kind of a half i would say half the show if not more is students so like it's this point where i'll sit back and i'll watch because it's kind of fun to me to see people like awkward and trying to like make it happen because um like as much as alan from river horse wants to like help guide these kids they don't know what they're doing and they don't know their like poses so it's like i wish that's something that was taught to people ahead of time. Like when I left wrestling camp, they didn't teach you promos. They didn't teach you um, posing or photo or like taking photography. They didn't show you how to get bookings. Uh Like there's so much that you left with. There was like, there's so little that you left with other than the moves. Right. And And like, well, it brings, makes me think of uh, Effie. You guys know Effie, right? Of course. Yeah. And like how he has a full Dropbox set up with here's the promo pictures you can use. Here's this. And then also I'll film some promos for you to have. And I'm sure that, you know, it makes the biggest difference for a promoter when they're mm-hmm. like, oh, look, he supplied 17 high res photos that he's approved that we can use for the poster that we can mm-hmm. use for promotion. And how a lot of people, I think, in every industry, not for wrestling, photography, anything, automatically assume like, people are going to reach out to me. People are going to find me. And so they'll, that, that's, it'll take care of itself when it's the opposite. You need to be proactive. You need to be out there emailing people, messaging people. And so I can only imagine, especially, you know, uh, 
dealing with the independent wrestling scene, the amount of emails or DMs that, that you have to send of like, mm -hmm. do you have a booking? Do you have a spot on your show? I will drive the three hours, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine. And then also the fact when you become easy to work with like that, you know, you're obviously top of the list for the next show, right? Yeah. Yeah, the more bookable, so to speak, that you can make yourself, the easier you are to work with, the less work a promoter has to do or a graphic designer has to do or anything like that, um, the, uh, the better your chances are for not just that moment, but for the future. So mm -hmm. how, so to kind of circle back, how important is photography and, and the, the video guys for, for you guys? Like, oh, ex oh, okay. I was actually just about to mention this extremely important. Mm -hmm. Like, um, there's, well, first of all, I mean, we just, we live in a different age where, you know, you have to put out, to be relevant in pro wrestling, you have to put out so much content. And like, um, so I, at least I know I do this. I squirrel away as many pictures and clips as I can of <laughs> us doing moves or us doing funny things and, and good pictures of myself. And, and I squirrel those all away to be like, okay, you know, I'll post this next week and I'll post this tomorrow and I'll post this then. And it's like, just so you have a, a stream of content, but not just that, but just in a more old school sense, um, you know, promoters, yeah, they like it when you send them the highlight reel and the references and obviously promoters want to book, um, you know, guys they've heard of or guys that they've been vouched for by other guys that they work with. But like, honestly, like, at least personally speaking, Coda's gotten booked nine times out of ten because of a picture. Mm -hmm. um, it's either a river horse picture, a speedy picture. It's just they see the energy, they see the facials, they see the gimmick, and they're just like, okay, I want that. And that's good and bad because it's good because it gets us in the door, but then it's bad because then, you know, they judge their entire idea of us off of a picture. <laughs> and, sure. you know, and I think we're a lot different than i think at first glance mm -hmm. um but yeah no I, I tell students all the time you're you live or die by your promos like and not just like speaking promos i mean your promo pictures you live and die by them so if you get good ones if you get ones that really communicate who you are and make you look marketable um you're set you know because that's the first thing promoters think of is like can i put this on a poster and does that get people's attention does that get people wanting to come to the show and i would say that's something that's marketable about us is that you can put us on a poster and we stand out you know right. and i think that's true for a lot of top people you know um so certain people have an energy with cameras that brings out like that presence. I would say Effie is like that. You know, Saeed Al Sabah is like that. Um, His brother Treehouse is like that too. Like every everything, every shot, like ever taken of him is like a work of art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Priscilla Kelly is a lot like yeah. that. You know, um, same with Darby. You know, so it's just like the idea of like you. You know, I I don't have to know anything about you to right, know that right. you're somebody. Like you're sure. somebody that I should pay attention to. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I'll be set up for photos shooting MMA fighters and then like, I have to grab them and bet like, yo, we need to get these shots, you know, for your poster for next week, et cetera. And then on the flip side, I'd be backstage at a wrestling show and I would have a line, which I was mm -hmm. so like, cause usually it's pulling teeth. 
And instead, it was like, are you ready to take my photo? And I was like, I, yeah, okay. I was, I was expecting to have to run around the building to find you guys. But instead, it was like, yeah, let's, let me get my shots. Can I come in and get some shots? Do you mind if I take uh, some shots? And, Ryan, it's we're like, professional wrestlers. We love attention. That's <laughs> what we do here, brother. It's, please, please, please validate me, please. Yeah, we got, it's, it's all about, you know, like staying relevant and having the content to put out there. And up until... About a year and a half ago, I had a big problem with like just having content. I was in a really restrictive situation, but over the last, it was actually almost exactly a real a year ago that I did a shoot with you, and the amount of bookings that I got based off of a single photo from that shoot alone that um, like sometimes I would send out to a promoter, or they would just be searching through tags on Instagram and found one that 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 I had posted, and they were interested in booking me just based off of that single shot it's it's you know it's it's incredible it's something you know having like poses down it's something that um i I, again over until over like the last year or so something i really really struggled with but it's so important to have those things down and be able to present yourself as this full product this like neatly packaged product it's I gotta, I gotta say, what I really dig about going to pro wrestling shows is how it really, f- truly feels like everyone there is a part of the show coming together. You know, everyone has a hand in it, and everyone, myself included, taking photos. Like I'm, like I want to see this show succeed. Like I, the person selling T-shirts right there. There's a person at the popcorn machine. There's someone that's running one light for the entrance. It doesn't matter. Someone that just hits play for the the songs to come on for the entrance songs. And yet we all feel like this is our child, and we want to see our baby do well. And I just think that that sort of unity is so rare and like so beautiful. And like I try to explain it to other people, and really they can't get past the pro wrestling part because they just go, "Oh, that's the." fake shit and i'm like dude forget about that like this is art like it's just like if you went and we're putting on a broadway play everyone the person pulling the fucking curtain back is hoping and praying that everything goes beautifully and i always just i marvel at how much of a family it is it's just and i love also when you would see like a match going on and almost the entire roster is peeking through to watch it Mm -hmm. you know i just think that's so fucking cool yeah no, I mean, wrestling is one of those things where it, I think with current times, um, there's a lot of cracks in the veneer that we're coming, we're, we're addressing. I think mm-hmm. our generation has been really good about, I mean, not really good, but getting better at addressing a lot of the shit that just shouldn't be the case anymore. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the unnecessary, unnecessary fealty that there is in pro wrestling, this like kind of weird manipulative like you know like oh fuck that promotion don't work for them and da 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 you work for me and like i don't know why you're asking for more money i thought you know i thought you wanted this promotion to succeed and da 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 and like if you really cared about us you would do this and da 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 and it's just like and then of course like the systemic shit just of our culture at large is just you know the sexism the racism the homophobia um there's a lot of that that I think our generation is at least trying to push out of pro wrestling. And I always tell people, you know, it's hard because we're taking something that's started as a a carny business and we're trying to make it um, ethical. And so it's a struggle, but I think it can be done because 
at the end of the day, pro wrestling has this beautiful language uh, for misfits. It has this beautiful language for the outsiders. You know, I think that's why it's attractive to gay people, attractive to uh, women, people of color, any group of minorities, handicapped, um, uh, you know, any gender or, you know, it's just, it attracts all walks of life because you relate to that idea of like, you know, it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what I, you know, what I do in my private time. It does. It just, if I'm willing to show up and I'm willing to fight, I've got a mm-hmm. chance and I can be somebody. And I think that's a really beautiful story that you can just tell over and over and over again yeah. of overcoming through struggle. And cause I know pro wrestling has helped me, overcome a lot of struggle not like specifically directly but just having it in my life gives me that extra bit of strength that i need to feel like i can power through bullshit and i think that's the case for a lot of people i mean it's like it's basically just it's like being at a punk show you know and like yeah you're in a pit and yeah you want to beat the hell out of each other but if someone falls we're picking them up you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like it's it's about everyone being together and everyone's allowed in the room the dude with the mohawk the the girl with the shaved head you know like it doesn't matter because we're all there for one reason right we're all there to see that band we're all there to see pro wrestling and that's why when i shot that fest show it was so cool because really you looked out in the crowd and these would look like people that would never hang out with each other you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm. this person would never talk to that person would never talk to that person would never talk to that but like they just would not be in the same building ever and yet there they were screaming their fucking heads off together in unison. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's why I love it. It's like yeah. I love seeing art, whatever the art may be, bringing people together because it's cool to sit there and be like, oh, this person's got green hair. This person, you know, it just looks silly. And then all of a sudden you bring up, you know, maybe, you know, Shawn Michaels. And they're like, oh, I'm, I love Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. you like Shawn Michaels? Oh. And then you go, oh. why the fuck do you like Shawn Michaels? Wait a second. You fucking... <laughs> You put on that garbage mat. Where was it in Australia? Oh, that was a rough one. That, that was Cyrus. They did. Oh yeah, yeah. Just... Blood Money Eleven. Oh, oof. you know what wasn't garbage was his bank account after that. <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, you're mentioning Fest. Fest really is like this beautiful place. I have my new favorite memory of Fest now is the last time we were there, and there was this one fan in the crowd, and they were being very vocal throughout the whole match and I loved it because you want vocal fans but they were being like you know kind of facetious like having some fun and so we were wrestling Fab Fit and Kiki Roberts was one of the members of Fabulous Fitness he's an openly gay wrestler and so they're they're cheering for them cheering for Kiki because uh, you know they're the kind of basically the baby faces in the match and we're, we're doing all these moves we're beating the shit out of them and we go for a cover uh, oh no no I took a move I got covered, one, two, kick out, and then the fan just starts yelling to the ref, Tony. He's like, this is bullshit, Tony. I'm not going to stand for this homophobia. And (laughs) basically, like, won't let Kiki win. And then literally 30 seconds later, we hit, like, this really big, cool move that we had just brought into our arsenal. And, like, this, like, rolling Uranage off the top rope off of a sick kick. And literally it hits. The dust clears, and that same fan goes, okay, that was cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, we won them over, yeah. That's <laughs> all it took, man. That's, That's awesome. Happened. That's a lot on this show. I would like to have a fast memory where um, 
I can speak because last time I was at Fest, I uh, did not have a voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a post Chelsea getting kicked in the throat directly uh, and having paralyzed vocal cords for three weeks. Could have got the Kane voice box thing. That's what oh. I I, that's that's what he was saying, and um, I was considering just doing like a like a like a Bane thing, but in a different tone. It's just like, will you see your brother? <laughs> this was pretty bad. I remember, I remember, I ran into uh, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, at a gym in San Diego, like a twenty-four hour fitness, right before he passed away, and I like the thirty minutes of it was me just going. Is that Dr. Death? And then walking around, <laughs> pretending to work out, going, I think that's Dr. Death. Is that Dr. Death? Oh, shit, I think that's Dr. Death. So finally I go up to him and I just say, you know, excuse me, are you Dr. Death Steve Williams? I just want to say I'm a huge fan. And, like, it was just so, like, hard to see because he had to, like, cover. And he couldn't talk because he didn't have his voice box with him. And he had to just say, like, you know, thanks, guy. You know, shook my hand or whatever. And it was just like, again, it was like we talked before. It was one of those things where like seeing him in that state was just like gut wrenching to me. Because here's the guy, you know, that was supposed to be the Steve Austin killer, you know, for Brawl for All and everything like that. And to see him in that way, working out at a shitty 24 hour fitness in Encinitas, California, it kind of just killed the mojo, you know. But he's still Dr. Death. Yeah, he's still Dr. Death. Um, you mentioned that. Um... So y'all want to know a fun fact about Jay Lethal? Do <laughs> fucking maybe he doesn't maybe it's not the case anymore. This was a couple years ago, but at least at the time, big fan of Doctor Death Steve Williams. And I don't know if he's specifically a big fan of him as a person or him as even as a wrestler, but he's a big fan of the uh, Death Valley Driver. <laughs> And uh, I just remember I'm sitting at his house after a pay-per-view, and I don't know how this happened, but he just puts on a YouTube compilation of Steve Williams of Japan just fucking murdering people with the Death Valley driver. And That's fucking, awesome. And he's just that, sitting like, there. He's just sitting there like a little kid with, like, Death Valley driver! Oh! He's just like, fuck it. Just every single one. He's selling it like it's happening to him. He's just like, ah! That's amazing. It reminds me of when you... For telling this story. I mean, we can cut it out. It's fine. <laughs> it reminds me... You ever see that clip of, like, Xavier Woods when Batista came back and he's going nuts yeah. just for Batista? Same, en- same energy. Yeah. Same energy. I love, I love seeing that. It's, like, so cool to me when you see, like, people who are, like, into it because they're actually fans. Not because oh, I'm just super athletic and I want, you know, it's an easy way to make some money or something. Or yeah. Vince saw me because, you know, I'm 6'5". But, like, to see people that are actually fans of it, it's so cool. And, like, to hear that story, but, like, puts Jay Lethal in an entirely new light for me, you know? Now I picture him just in front of a laptop just screaming, you know? <laughs> that was actually the funny thing. I remember you mentioned laptop. It was the most coy. I love Jay because he can be very coy in weird ways. Uh, I was at his house the night of SummerSlam, the one where Brock just murdered john cena that was the whole match i'm murdering you and oh the one was gushing gallons of blood from his forehead yeah so the match starts and jay doesn't expect anything of it because it's like i've seen this like i I know what's gonna i've seen a john cena match i know what this is gonna so he's literally on his laptop like checking facebook and shit just watching his laptop and literally the first move of that match is an f5 like cena charges boom (laughs) f5 
one, two, nope. And then I remember we're all sitting there going, oh, fuck. Th- Whoa, this started hot. And Jay sits there and literally just looks up, doesn't say a word, and just takes gently takes his laptop off of his lap to his side, then repositions forward and does the fucking Lenny, like <laughs> fingers in front of his nose, just watching. <laughs> Like he's like, I gotta see this shit now. <laughs> All right, I'll watch this. <laughs> was that like when Cena took like thirty suplexes? Yeah. That was that was the debut of not the debut because he didn't say Suplex City, but that was the debut of like the concept of Brock Lesnar's matches, where it was like, I'm just gonna hit thirteen German suplexes and then an F five and then fuck you. <laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> That's what I love about Cena, though. Like, Cena is willing to be, like just go in there and be like, I'm going to let Brock manhandle me and make me look terrible. I'm going to let Undertaker beat me in three minutes. And it just does, you know, I, I, like watching his uh, uh, one-night stand match with RVD is just, to me, it's like quintessential Cena. Like still trying to be this nice guy throwing the shirt in and it gets thrown back in his face and he just yeah. can't understand yeah. it. Like, oh, I'll throw it behind well, me now. They'll what I love me. about What I loved about that one was that, you know, he didn't do his normal entrance. He just walked out with the belt over his head and his head down because it was like this silent statement of like, I'm not going to start anything, but y'all need to remember I'm the fucking champion. Like, I'm not going to engage with all of you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jaw jack, but just remember I'm the fucking champion. So it was just like, it's that little shit. That's like why John Cena is so good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think we're kind of wrapping up on time. Um, so Ryan, uh, I know uh, the world's in a, in a weird place right now, but I think a good place in terms of trying to progress forward. Um, I'm just curious, uh, what what are you kind of looking forward to in the next few months? Um, is like, is there something you're hopeful for in terms of like maybe photo opportunities or work? Or is there something else you're kind of building towards in kind of a post-corona, uh, <laughs> mid-Black Lives Matter movement moment? You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Conf- the, world, the world's on fire right now, but it's like, I, I don't know. I'm looking for hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, one, being able to go outside again. I'm looking forward to, to being in a room full of thousands of people screaming for, you know, in unison for one thing, you know? I'm looking forward to that feeling you get when you're walking out with someone and you look over and you're like, oh, did you fucking, can you believe what we just saw? You know? And I'm also looking forward to hopefully a world where it's just like, we all realize that like, we're just human beings. Like I, I've been very fortunate to travel all over the world and I've been able to sit and have food with people from all different cultures and everything. And you realize we all want the same thing. Like we all want to be love. We all want to give love. We want to take care of our family and take care of our friends. That's it. It's like, it's not some big mystery. And like the idea that because someone has a different hairstyle or because someone loves someone that they're not supposed to love, you know, or be, you know, because your skin is a different color makes anyone different. It's just like, it's so heartbreaking to me. And like, all, all I want to see is I want to see the world come together and just love. That's it. Like, it's the most beautiful and powerful thing we have. Like, it's such an incredible emotion. It's such a, a thing to like, I can look over at my wife and like, I love her. Like, 
that's the fucking like crazy thing. Like I love that woman so much to know that if you told me right now you need to fucking take a bullet in the head, it's not even it's like done. Like before you finish the sentence, like I will do anything for that woman. And so this to see an outpouring of love, it's the strongest thing we have. And I, I look turn on the news and it's just disheartening to see what has been happening, but then at the same time to see thousands of people march in the streets, you know, because of love and because of passion, because they want to see change. It's like, it's incredible. And it's, I feel like it's a very emotional time for the entire planet. And I feel like it's, it's, it's a, a chance to actually have some real change because it's not just one city doing it. It's an entire world. There's people in London, there's people, you know, in, in Germany, just marching all together. And it's just, fuck man like if, if you're not inspired by seeing people from every walk of life come together to to to, to bond together to see change like th- there's nothing else like it's been 2020 has been a fucking god-awful year and at the same time it's a year that we have a chance to like actually be like holy shit we can unite and we can do something because i just want <laughs> i just want everyone to feel happiness regardless i want you to wake up next to the person you love whether that person is a man, whether that person is a woman, whether that person is gender fluid, I don't care what the hell it is. I just want you to wake up and just be happy. That's all anyone wants. Sorry, I rambled. I'm sorry. Uh, like, I uh, fucking, uh, like, I just like, the most fucking, beautiful thing I've heard this I, month. I do, have, I, do have one, I do have one final question. Um, yes. If you were to tomorrow in the mail receive a Shao Kahn like scroll from Dana White saying you have been cordially invited to my fight island <laughs> to take pictures uh would you go 100 <laughs> percent. like they did the U- they did the ufc up in jacksonville and i was so bummed that i wasn't able to shoot it like i i want to shoot it i want to be i want to be at fight island i want to be there documenting you know memorable things like i wish i was in new york right now in philadelphia shooting the the protests like yeah. that's the thing about like me with a camera like i just want to be there to document and to show other people and to even uh, on the flip side, so that other people that were there can see it and like be inspired, you know, to know that they're doing it for for a purpose and that other people are getting the message. Like that's the only thing I can do is is try to convey messages to people, you know, through my photos. And hopefully, uh, I do that. And hopefully, I've done that in the past. Hopefully, I've made people smile. Hopefully, I've made people cry. Hopefully, I've made people feel something. And I think that even in in your business, it's the same way. Like. Whether you get booed or whether you get cheered, you want people to watch and see what you do and feel something. Because the worst feeling is someone looking and going, okay, like yeah. that's fucking soul crushing. Like I want you to look at a photo and go, this is the worst fucking photo I've ever seen. Thank you. Yeah. I will take that, you know? Because it's emotion. Yeah, like you don't want to walk out to a crowd and just hear silence. Like, that's yeah. a killer. The silence is you want to hear... You want to hear someone saying they love you or they want to kill you. And if they yeah. scream in that, you're like, got them. Either way, yeah. hey, I got them. Or you want a soda can directly to the skull. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the worst the worst feeling is indifference. Yeah. It's just right. like they don't care about you. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And the crowd goes <laughs> mild. Crowd. Yeah. But this conversation has been anything but mild. Uh I appreciate you a lot, Ryan. Thanks for coming on. This was this was fun, and I'm glad to know I have a new wrestle best friend. Um, oh, dude, anytime. Feel free. You can message me links like, "Hey, did you see this weird match from 1991 in Trenton, New Jersey?" I'm like, "No, nope, I do." Have, watch it okay. now. Well, if we're going down this rabbit hole one more time, 
I want to pose a question to all of you, which I've been thinking about this a lot lately. In this climate we've had recently of the Joey Janela type spring break shows, of the GCW kind of revival of like an ECW type environment of lots of hardcore people like Nick Gage really coming up, you know, like, uh, you know, death matches kind of becoming a thing again with like no peace underground. How wild would it be? And I'm not saying he'd be, he'd be wrestling all the time. He's a special attraction, bring him in for big shows, but how wild would it be if Mike awesome was still around? Brother, brother, brother can you imagine like mike awesome throwing joey janela off a building or some shit oh god throwing him <laughs> off like a 25 story building joey lands on a fucking trampoline outside the ambulance <laughs> yep. the bounce back lands mm-hmm. him on top of the ambulance itself he goes through the roof of the ambulance is on the stretcher the paramedics shove the stretcher out of the back of the ambulance he comes up with a fucking pulp fiction syringe full of adrenaline and sorry I just that and then I would pay all the money in 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 the state of Connecticut to see Mike Austin versus Nick Gage. Yeah. That would that would just be like I could just see Mike Gage Nick Gage just being like, damn, that's a big motherfucker, and then just hits him with a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've become the biggest Nick Gage fan. I would I shot him at Bloodsport should. <laughs> and I had knew nothing about him personally, so I thought, oh, God, this guy is insane, and he's probably going to be a dick. And he was the nicest person. And then he comes out, and I honestly think if you, you could book a wrestling show where it's one match and Nick Gage, and the place would be filled, because Nick Gage fans are insane. And I'd never seen love from people for this guy. He's in the crowd. They're grabbing him. They're singing along. They're screaming him. You know, it... It was amazing. And, like, he's another one of those guys where it doesn't matter win or lose. He's Nick Gage. He's Nick fucking Gage. You know what I mean? And, like, I, the only time I really knew of him was from the David Arquette thing, where I was like, yo, this guy's too crazy. He tried to kill David, Ar- David Arquette. Like, I, I can't be down with this dude. And then you meet him, and he's the teddy bear, but he's fucking insane. I love him. And if, if fucking WD, WWE had any fucking cojones, they would have Nick Gage in the main event of WrestleMania once crowds come back. In New Jersey. Or up in, in that area. Jersey. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I'm going to add a little caveat to that about saying Nick Gage should be on every show because he should be on every show. But any show you book Nick Gage on, you should also book the Ugly Ducklings. Specifically because, yes, Nick Gage crowd reaction is amazing. It's ten times better when Coach Mikey's in that crowd. Because I got to watch a Nick Gage match with Coach Mikey, and that was just one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> Nick Gage, John Cena, headlining WrestleMania at fucking at. at could Yankee you imagine? Stadium. Could you imagine they do a storyline where Nick Gage comes in and he's like he hasn't watched WWE in like ten years, so in his mind, John Cena's still the top guy. So he like yeah. shows up and he's like, I don't want to wrestle fucking Cedric Alexander. I don't want to wrestle fucking Elias. Where the fuck is John Cena? Where the <laughs> fuck is John Cena? And that's like a chant they go, where the fuck? Where this John Cena? Fuck John Cena. <laughs> and like John Cena shows up and he's trying to do the fucking serial fucking like hustle loyalty and respect. And Nick Gage is like, no, nah, no, nah, I ain't playing with that. And he just starts 
smashing him with light tubes, <laughs> and it yeah. makes him like come back as Doctor Thugonomics. Like, yes. oh, you want the real, real? <laughs> um, we just book WrestleMania. Yeah, we I think we just booked WrestleMania. <laughs> we just made him millions of dollars. You're welcome. Oh, all right, Ryan. You are millions of dollars. Uh, we appreciate you so much coming on. Uh, you got what's your socials, man? Anything you're working on? Projects you want to promote? Yeah, I'm just trying to get out of the house. Uh, at Ryan Loco on all the stuff, and uh, yeah, that's it. Just Follow keep doing Noodle. what you're doing. Patience Follow great. my dog Noodle, cause Noodle the Chow. She's the princess of my life. My wife and my dog are the reason I wake up every morning. And then, uh, yeah, I can't wait to fucking be back around people screaming for fucking wrestling. I don't care where it is. Deerfield Beach and a group gym. Uh, I'm ready. Well, as far as we know, Fest is still happening. We are the We Are Family show in October. You coming out to that, my brother? If I can, if if it's if I'm here on this earth, I'll be there. Sweet. Looking forward to it. Hell yeah. All right, let's drop our socials real quick before we forget. You can find Demon Road Diaries on Instagram and Facebook by simply searching Demon Road Diaries. You can find the coda at We Are the Coda on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and at ProWrestlingTees.com slash We Are the Coda. You can find me personally on Instagram at Music City Messiah and at tw- and on Twitter at Music City KG. You know, I practice that in the car. I'm going to say you've said that, said that before. Yeah, no, I practice it in the car sometimes. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bastard Son Rios. Uh, and like I said, don't add me on Facebook. And based on some of the shit I've been seeing on Facebook lately, I'm glad I didn't approve your request. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Durden Says, Twitter at The Durden Says, because an inactive account took just Durden Says, and on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Chelsea Durden. And as always, please leave my mother alone on Instagram. <laughs> She's very sensitive and she doesn't appreciate your comments. Oh, all right. Remember, we sell feet pics. Uh, yeah, for a nominal fee, uh, we sell other people's feet pics as well. Um, mm-hmm. I won't really dive into that publicly. Are we starting like a wait. Like we a, can like sling other people's news. Yeah, are we starting like a money? feet feet pics network or something. Feetpics.com.gov.edu. Well, <laughs> we just got put on a list. Stay safe out there, demon babies. <laughs> Remember, stay Stay safe, stay jacked. Stay jacked. (laughs) Yo, guys, thanks for sticking around. You know what time it is. You know right where I'm going. I'm going for that face. You got a beard on it. You got a friend who's got a beard. You got a boyfriend that's got a beard. Somebody in your life has a beard and they need better beard care. They need La Barba Cubano. It's small batch beard and oil products that are for your face, for your hair, for that shine, and it gives you the best quality beard care possible. Head to Instagram and find us, La Barba Cubano. 
Use the link in the bio. Pick up some products like our brand new Lime Time Beard Oil or the classic Carlos or Manuel scent. And when you're ready to check out, use the code DEMONDADDIES to save yourself 13%. Get your hands on some La Barba Cubano beard products, either for your beard or a beard you love. <laughs>